I don't hate it at the same time. That's you know what news just broke as we've been recording? What happened? Canelo Alvarez will return to the ring fighting Callum Smith on December 19th to unify the WBA super middleweight titles. You motherfuckers. Hold on. That's okay. So that's wild. One. Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me run this down real quick. I'm sorry. I'm about to go on a rant. I'm ill. I'm ill. And we are back here on the Dope Blog. This is that Dope Fight Pod. I'm your host, Charles Day. I'm here with my cousin, Tim Owens. And we are discussing the excellence that is combat sports. What up, cuz? What up? Glad to be back. How you doing? Well, I'm doing good since you figured out how we can record more efficiently in this uh, new era of dope pods. So awesome. I'm in a good mood, unlike last week where the, we had some audio issues and I had to scrap the whole podcast and produce a dope radio. Much better headspace right now. So we have a lot to catch up on because we pretty much got two weeks worth of fights to talk about. And a lot of stuff has gone down in boxing and MMA. Yeah. Yeah, a ton of stuff has gone down. It's been uh, it's been real crazy two weeks, honestly. Uh, it's it's been a lot, and uh, yeah, I'm glad to get into it. Uh, missed last week, even though we were able to co- record. Like you said, had a little bit of audio uh, difficulties, but we're back at it, and I think uh, I think this will be a fun one. Sweet. So this past weekend, as of recording, it was the Bud Crawford Cal Brook fight. Everyone knows that you know Crawford won. He's a lot of people's pound for pound best. Check out a couple episodes ago where me and you were talking about the pound for pound in boxing. The problem with that event wasn't even the Crawford fight. It was the co-main between Joshua Franco and Andrew Maloney. Have you heard anything about this fight? So uh, I heard a little bit, uh, you know, especially scrolling through social media, stuff like that. I actually didn't get to watch it, but I know – most people, especially boxing fans, um, are a little bit ups- upset, I guess. I-, I-, I can't really comment. That's why I'm actually I'm here to hear from you uh, about that one because I know you were watching that live time. So, uh, yeah, what, what kind of went down? So it was a title fight. Um, I believe it was a, it's a bantamweight fight. It's a rematch. Maloney lost the title in the last fight to Franco, so this is the rematch, like, kind of like that automatic rematch we all get. Two rounds go by. Maloney's jabbing him, jabbing him. We heard about a phantom headbutt in the first round from the ref, and it happens quick. You know how fast headbutts happen. As a viewer, in real time, we just kind of went along with it. The problem became they stopped the fight before round three. And in you know boxing rules in Nevada, if that happens before the fourth round, it's a no contest. It doesn't go to the winner of the, you know, the opposite boxer that didn't have the fight stop. The problem with that was through all the recording – you know, through the first two rounds and reviewing it, there was no headbutt. And Nevada has a new rule, literally, it's I think it's a year old, if that, that they can review such calls. So as in real time, while ESPN is showing the entire first and second round, because that's how much time they took replaying it and reviewing it, we can't find a headbutt. The only headbutt that is visible is to the wrong side of the face. Franco's right eye was swelling up, and the headbutt then happens on the left side. The only thing that happened to the right eye was jabs. 
he was getting jabbed. So long story short, Andrew Maloney got robbed for his title. He should regain the title. There should be a third match already scheduled. But instead, Franco retained. It's still a no contest. And somehow Nevada gets it wrong. And it was terrible. For, for In the first couple of minutes, you have the commentary team, uh, Tim Bradley and Andre Ward, kind of talking about how, how can you mess this up? How can you get it wrong? Fast forward eight minutes. Oh, my God. I can't believe it's taking this long. Once you get to the 10, 15-minute mark, they're joking about how they're going to make the wrong decision, and they're taking this long because they know they're going to make the wrong decision. And the ref looked annoyed they were even reviewing it. Wow. Wow. That's uh, that's insane because, uh, um, again, I got to go back and watch that then and, and kind of see what happened. I do know the rules new, especially because it does affect um, the UFC as well and MMA because, you know, we've talked about before, the commissions are the same uh, – when no matter what, when you're in Nevada, it's the same commission, whether it's boxing or MMA. And I do know that rule was in effect in a couple of UFC fights. I can't recall them off the top of my head, but knowing that that happened with boxing, I'm sure it, it's not going to be only to boxing. It, it could also mess up something in the UFC moving forward. Yeah. And actually, I'm sorry. He was, he's the W was the WBA super flyweight champion and lost okay. to Joshua Franco. The real injustice of this, just on a life level, not even a sports or a championship level, is that he's an Aussie. He flew during COVID-19 from Australia to America to fight in this bubble in Las Vegas to get robbed. Mm. And it's really a damn injustice because anybody watching that fight, that swelling was from jabs. You're not going to convince me it was from a headbutt that apparently none of us could find in 20 minutes looking through six minutes worth of footage. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's a complete injustice. And it, it, it's crappy because from just understanding it and listening uh, the way you explained it, it kind of a thing that took away from Terrence Crawford, who's my one of my pound-for-pound pound bests right now. It's kind of taking away from his his victory, I guess. I mean – In a way, in a way, that's the bigger story because that, that last – the review seemingly lasted longer – than the main event because the main event stopped <laughs> in what the fourth round? Yeah, that's yeah, not fourth 20 round. Minutes. No, that's not twenty minutes. It took that's not minutes. at all. Yeah. yeah. So, so Kell Brook, and my mind you, just to touch on Kell Brook, I think he did a real good job. I had him up on the scorecard before uh, TKO happened, so it, I think it was a better fight than people gave it credit for. But at the same time, those same people thought Crawford would put him away before the eighth round, which he did. So. We got what we paid for. You know, it was a free fight. It was a, a big-name matchup. I don't know what people want from Bud Crawford, considering that they keep saying he hasn't fought nobody body in the last five fights. Kel Brook, Amir Khan, Jeff Horn, all these names that are in the division that they keep putting in front of him. He's not a young dude. He's, he's what, like, I uh, believe Bud Crawford's 33. So yeah, fought Kel Brook, who's one year older than him. People are saying he's, he's an over-the-hill fighter. I know in fighting, you become over the hill once somebody beats your ass that bad. But at the same time, he's fighting whoever's in front of him. And if Spence beats Garcia next month, I don't see a way we can keep avoiding this Errol Spence-Bud Crawford fight. But before we get ahead of ourselves and keep talking the main event, there is another thing on the undercard of the Crawford-Brook fight that I wanted to talk about. Shakur Stevenson, uh, Nork's own Shakur Stevenson, was in the corner of Joshua Greer Jr., 
in his fight against Edwin Rodriguez on the undercard, an eight-round bout called a draw. But it was just cool seeing Shakur Stevenson, this 23-year-old featherweight that's been making noise the last three years, being in someone's corner. He's really close with Bud Crawford. They're all top-ranked guys, and you kind of see what they're trying to do. Crawford's at what welterweight, Josh Greer Jr. is at bantamweight, and then you got Shakur Stevenson at featherweight, and you see that the Bob Arum's kind of lining up his guys for success in their own divisions, give or take four pounds. But yeah, what I'm seeing, Greer Jr. isn't of the caliber, in my opinion, at this point, of a Shakur Stevenson or a Bud Crawford, but he definitely has, you know, some juice left in the tank. He, I believe he's like 22 and two. He had some losses that kind of uh, derailed his height train in a way, but he's definitely not over. But that's the only, you know, the couple of notes that I have coming out of that event and all the prelims on the boxing side. Like I said earlier, me and you lost our our fight pod from last week where we touched on a couple of other things. Uh, last week, it was kind of funny. We recorded on Monday. There was all these fights, these free fights happening. And we were talking about how there's not much going on. And then lo and behold, a week later, about eight days later, it seems like so much shit has happened. Yeah, it's it's been yeah, it's been a crazy eight nine days or whatever it was. You're you're exactly right. We recorded on that Monday, and yeah, we were kind of talking about how it was a kind of a slow weekend. And then yeah, this weekend kind of just blew up. And if you add what happened last weekend, it makes for a full amount of just amazingness, <laughs> for lack of a better word. You know what I mean? So awesome it was spectacular uh, to quote one of my favorite YouTubers. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. So it was good. Yeah. I definitely saw uh, Shakur Stevenson in that corner. That was something I noticed uh, scrolling through Instagram. Um, that actually kind of excited me seeing uh, kind of like what you said, you could see Bob Arum kind of setting his guys up for success, trying to take all the titles, put them under top rank, make top rank boxing and ESPN boxing, basically the thing to watch. That is definitely something really cool. And props to Shakur for being in a young guy's corner and, actually giving him advice like i saw some of the cuts from the corner he was actually giving real advice not like oh go out there do this like he's telling him oh you need to slide in when he throws that jab throw that uppercut some like he was giving real advice so that excited me on that side and seeing him in that corner it's just really it was really cool and i think top rank is going to be doing a lot especially now that let's be honest there's no more hbo which is insane so oh yeah and it's cool to me from a hip-hop standpoint that Shakur Stevenson, Greer Jr., they seem to have the support of Rap-A-Lot Records, a.k.a. Jay Prince, the Houston hip-hop mogul, who's been tied to a lot of uh, interesting stories in the boxing world, let's say. And two points of shameless self-promotion for us here at the Dope Blog. Not only did Jay Prince see the story I made for the Dope Blog Instagram, where I saw the logo for Rap-A-Lot Records, and I added him saying, is my mind playing tricks on me? Hip hop heads should get that reference. And, and he actually saw it in like a minute. And I had a little fanboy moment, but also on the dope blog now, we I, we actually got up something I wrote today. Shakur Stevenson should try to become the undisputed featherweight champion. Uh, go check that out. As you can tell, I'm a big fan of Shakur Stevenson. Most of us Jersey folk that pay attention to fighting in general are fans of this young man. So check that out. Let me know if you think I'm wrong. I think Shakur thinks I'm wrong because he definitely wants to stay at super featherweight slash junior lightweight, depending on which promotion you're, you're looking at, that 130-pound area, not 126. Like we said in a previous pod, there's too many damn belts in boxing, but we'll see where he ends up in the coming years, especially going into 2021. He also has a fight on December 12th 
uh, it should be free on ESPN, but keep your eye out for that because, of course, Stevenson is fighting this Saturday after Spence Garcia. Yep. Yeah. That, yeah. That's exciting. Got That's an exciting moment. And yeah, you're right. Um, it's it's pretty cool, uh, especially being a Jersey native, seeing Shakur. I know, uh, you know, peek behind the curtain. You're a little bigger fan of him than me, um, and you've been telling me about him for I feel like a year plus now. Yeah, at least at least since like 2018, because once ESPN Plus started up, I had an idea of who he was because I was like kind of excited that I could just go back and catch a couple of his fights on the app. So roughly about going on two years, you know, he only went pro in 2017. So he's right. a relatively young fighter. But, you know, we, we're going to talk about him plenty moving on. We have plenty of MMA stuff to get to that we touched on last week and has happened since, not only with, like, rankings, but uh, potential fights. I'm going to give you the wheel, because where do you even want to start? Um. Perfect. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I guess the first thing we can get right into it with MMA, we, we can kind of go over um, the UFC ESPN plus 40 Vegas 13 fight night 182. That wasn't this previous weekend. Um, right now we're recording. It's the 17th. So this would have been what day was that? Oh, my days are all lost. The 7th? Am I wrong okay, about so that? Two weeks ago. Yeah. Right. That was the one. That was the one we missed, correct? I guess. I can't remember now. <laughs> real time, people. Real time. Yeah, uh, we might have discussed that one. That was the Santos Clover Tech share. So we might have. We might have uh, discussed yeah, we, me that. Me and you definitely talked about it. Whether it's uploaded is up for dispute. I don't think that's that a. Ho- yeah, I was gonna say that's the that's the question, right? What did we actually upload it? I I guess not because that would have been last week, which would have been yeah, that was uh, ninth. Yeah, we talked about – so what we didn't talk about, what we should touch on now then, uh, Bellator 251, our, we saw our boy Austin Vanderford get a win. He's now 10-0, right? Yep. And at the, uh, during the same Bellator event, Corey Anderson made his Bellator debut, debut and won via the most vicious ground-and-pound strikes you'll ever see. Go back and check that out. Corey Anderson's another personal – I'm a fan of his, so I definitely support that. Go watch what this man did. He executed. He took the guy down and just beat the living hell out of him. And, yeah, a couple of days later, it's this Glover Tech-Shara fight. And go ahead. Yep. What, what, you, what do you remember now a week out of it? That, that touch on. That's exactly it. Thank you. Yeah, I needed I needed to remember. I was like, did we talk about it? I know we talked about it. We talk on, on air, basically off air all the time. So it all blends together after a while. But basically, my – Main comment from that previous week, as we discussed at the beginning of this pod, it was a little slow last week. Not not to take anything away, as we always say for many fighters, but the biggest thing to come out of the previous week, which was that se- uh, November 7th fight, was Glover Teixeira beating Tiago Santos by submission, rear naked choke, going on to win, I think, six or nine in a row. I can't remember exactly. I think it's six in a row. And Glover is now back pretty much at the top of the light heavyweight division. And as in a previous podcast we discussed, uh, Izzy was thinking about moving up to light heavyweight. So now we have an insane, insane mix-up at that light heavyweight division because Glover 
in my eyes, now deserves a shot, especially beating Tiago Santos, who was number one. I have the UFC rankings pulled up right now. Glover Teixeira is ranked the number one contender at light heavyweight. So we kind of have a little mix-up, especially if Izzy still wants to come up. Jan's ready to fight, but he's waiting for his uh, his daughter or son to be born. We're not sure. I have to see what it is, but he has a baby on the way, and he said he can't fight till March. So what we missed last week, that's my biggest thing. That's my biggest takeaway from that main card was Glover Teixeira being at 41 years old, still doing the damn thing and doing it well. I mean, he put Tiago Santos away. Now, we know Tiago Santos was gone over a year. He had um, some knee surgeries, and he was out for a good amount of time after the John Jones fight. But the way Glover just dismantled Tiago, and don't get me wrong, Tiago caught Glover with some, with some hard punches, put him back, but Glover, being the seasoned vet that he is, was able to recover and has never looked better. So this light heavyweight division – Again, as we said, when Jan first got the belt, it might be a toss-up for a little bit of time. We don't know. Unless Jan stops playing games and goes, oh, I'm coming back down. Yeah. (laughs) And it's weird because, like we said on the Lost Pod, that you have the middleweight champ aiming at the light heavyweight champ. And with the clusterfuck that we have at the light heavyweight division, you have Bones Jones hinting at going back down and getting his belt or something. And it's just like, why would you even leave if you're going to go right back and never fight at heavyweight? And at the same event where Glover had this dominant performance, Andre Arlovsky beat Tanner and kind of derailed two younger up-and-comers because they were vets who just knew what they were doing inside the octagon. And now you have these vets back in the scene. Not so much Andre Arlovsky, but obviously the number one ranked contender at light heavyweight now is a 40-year-old. So our fear of the light heavyweight division is kind of coming true way faster than me and you kind of predicted. Granted, there are a lot of cancellations here in the fourth quarter for UFC. It's not necessarily the fourth quarter any of us wanted, but there's a lot more clusterfuck than me and you actually anticipated originally. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, It kind of happened a lot quicker. And to to kind of back off, uh, jump on the back of what you said, the Andre Arlovsky, he's, I I don't recall what the rankings were before this, but looking at the rankings now, he's ranked 15. So it's exactly what you said. Tanner Boser was meant to kind of build his resume off of Andre Arlovsky. And now it's not an easy fight. As you see, he he was able to pull it off in a decision win. But it was one of those fights where he was kind of, he being Tanner Boser was supposed to build his name. So you had a weekend of, like you said, two vets kind of showing these younger guys, it ain't easy coming up in the UFC and getting to that top, top 10, top five spot. It's a real fight. And you got to be ready and you got to be not only good, but seasons that as well in there. You got to know where you're at. You got to understand what's happening. Again, Glover is the perfect example of that. He got knocked down in the first, I believe, and in the in the third maybe as well. Um, and he recovered the way Glover always recovers. And at the end of the second, it looked like he was going to pull off that rear naked choke that he ended up pulling off in the third anyway. So just overall great fights. So moving into this weekend though, we had a crazy amount of bullshit, I, uh, easiest way to put it, with the fact that we had people dropping out and filling in. We had uh, another fight added to the card that had to be at a catch weight because no one was able to make weight, which was Sean Strickland, Brendan Allen. That was a catch weight of 195. We had Paul Felder jumping in in, I think, five days' notice to fight Rafael Dos Anjos, which 
all props to Paul Felder because that man is insane. Took wasn't even training, was getting ready for a triathlon. Took five days to get ready for a fight. Made the weight in five days. Weighed I think above one seventy. Got down to one fifty five on that Friday to make weight, and then goes in and fights for twenty five minutes. I mean, he he did lose Paul Felder, but he came off the broadcast booth took his tie off and said, well, I'm not broadcasting this weekend. I'm going to be fighting. And he looked amazing, honestly. He, he did lose, and he, I don't really think he might have won one round, maybe the second. I, I got to rewatch it. I've only watched it the one time. But to come off of only five days' notice fighting a monster in Rafael Dos Anjos, it was great. Uh, what did you think about that uh, main card there? The main card was, honestly, as a UFC fan, it's one of those movies where I watched it and I don't remember it. And I didn't want to rewatch it because to me, it wasn't even about the minutes in between the rounds. It wasn't about the rounds this week. It was about the, uh, the implications for all my It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fans. It was about now that Dos Anjos is ranked at sixth in, at lightweight when he wasn't ranked at all in that division. Uh, things like that are the biggest things coming out this week and a little bit more clarity in the entire sport rather than how we felt last week when we were talking where we don't know where anything's going. Right now, the UFC seems to be kind of, you know, unblurring 2021 in these last few weeks of 2020. That's kind of my biggest takeaway from the Dos Dos Anjos fight is that now he's ranked that lightweight in in a deep-ass division and we know for a fact now that not only is Conor McGregor technically a lightweight, but the, the Boye fight isn't even signed yet. So yeah. there's a lot of moving parts in that division. There's a lot of moving parts in lightweight, welterweight, and middleweight right now. Not even talking about the you know what we just said about light heavyweight. But the, honestly, that's my biggest takeaway, is that we're kind of seeing the lightweight division post-Khabib take, taking shape. Yep, uh, I agree uh, 100%. What we're seeing was the stories, right? Out of this past weekend is what we got was the stories. We had the Paul Felder story coming in last minute. And to make a comment real quick, it is Tuesday when we're recording this. That means I believe the last episode of Dana White Contender Series is on. Uh, By the time that happens, you guys will know that Paul Felder is in the broadcast booth for that fight. So just FYI, he went from fighting on Saturday to putting the suit and tie back on. He's broadcasting that Dana White's contender series uh, pretty much almost right now as we're talking. So good on him. And then the other story, like you said, Rafael Dos Santos coming in. Remember now he wasn't ranked at lightweight because he was fighting at welterweight before. And this was his first fight back after fighting in the welterweight division. He went back down to the lightweight division because he was a lightweight before moved up to welterweight and now he went back down to lightweight and seems to be a real contender because Paul I uh, I remember I think was ranked at seven going into the fight so a win for Rafael jumped him right up to six and like you said post Khabib era if it is post Khabib era because we did see that post from him uh, if I don't know if you saw it but he's still in the USADA testing pool so. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know and any of the listeners, the USADA de- uh, testing pool is the drug testing administration that is for all of the UFC. And when you retire, you have to opt out of the testing pool because it takes you six months plus to get back into the, of testing before you 
are allowed to fight again if you uh, drop out of the testing pool. So the fact that he's still in the testing pool might mean he's still in the game. We don't know. It's kind of up in there. But post the Khabib era, yeah, this is there's a lot of moving parts, like you said. Um, I'm a little excited. Uh, so to not uh, talk too much about that lightweight division because it seems like we love that division. Yeah. <laughs> and, and speaking I mean, of shit. lightweights, wasn't that the Patricio Pitbull win? Oh, no, that was featherweight. My bad. Featherweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, no worries. Pitbull got the W this past week. Yes, with Bellator. We had the Pitbull fight uh, against Pedro Cavallo. Uh, knockout in round one. I mean, just looked great out there. He is, you can make the argument for Pitbull being maybe one of the best featherweights right now. I mean, we look, we, we look at it, 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 it's a hard sell for sure. It's a hard sell, but you look at fighters who fought each other before. Pitbull has fought Chandler and I believe beat Michael Chandler. Now remember, Michael Chandler is the guy that came over and now he's kind of, I don't want to say ducking Tony Ferguson, but Tony Ferguson's been calling him out. And Chandler still hasn't booked a fight yet. We're, we're, we're going to wait and see who he fights. But if Chandler comes in and beats anyone in the top five in the lightweight division, that instantly with, you know, you can use, like I said, MMA math or boxing math and be like, well, since he lost to Pitbull, maybe Pitbull is better than the top five guys of the UFC. Again, Styles makes fights, so that's not always true. So if you're a Bellator fan and you're a Pitbull fan, it's – 100% you can make that argument for Pitbull being a dominant contender, especially beating Michael Chandler. And we do say styles make fights, so it depends. But in my eyes, Pitbull shows that with these dominant wins, he is a real, real top featherweight in all in all promotions, UFC and Bellator. And just Michael Chandler, quick note, because this is something we missed last week and it's just kind of gone away. Michael Chandler was rumored for a second to hop in that fight last Saturday, and he kept, and he said he had other things planned instead of fighting Dozanios. Yes. So, I just wanted to point that out, is that people keep calling out Michael Chandler, and he keeps alluding to being in talks about something. And here we are two weeks later, and there's still no news on Michael Chandler. And if you look up his name right now, at the time of recording, like you said, it's mostly Tony Ferguson rumors. So that's where we are right now. We just don't know. Yeah, exactly. And to make a funny comment, I was listening to uh, DC and Ariel, and you, you'll like this one. They kind of made the the reference to him being like a original, not John Cena, um, Kurt Angle. That's what it was. When Kurt Angle first got in there, everyone kind of got upset because he was just sitting back. And I'm not a huge wrestling person, but it seems like he's being that that type of heel. Good-looking guy you know, all-American kind of guy, but he's still going to play the heel in, in this promotion. So that's what the that's what they meant. Uh, that's what our guy Ariel did. That was his comparison, joking around with DC. So it looks like that's what he's doing. He's kind of telling Tony, fuck off right now. I got something that works. And we're, everyone who's a fan is like, what do you have in the works? J- exactly what you said. What, do, what are we looking for? What, what are you doing? So who knows? Um, but I'm excited for it. Also, just uh, real quick off that Bellator card, and then we can kind of hop back because I do want to talk about our boy Chaos Williams after that amazing fight. But just to make it known, Aaron Pico on the preliminary card of Bellator, just a guy to look out for. You know, if you're a hardcore, uh, especially with Bellator, you've been following this guy, and he won by 
KO in the second round. He is in the featherweight division as well. So that's why I want you to keep an eye out because we were just talking about Patricio Pitbull. Aaron Pico is a real deal fighter. He's a monster and he's someone else to look out for in that Bellator side. Now, make a little transition top back. Chaos Williams, man. I'm going to leave this one up to you. I want to ask you, because I know you saw it. How do you feel about that? Yo, he dropped that dude and made him go stiff as a board. He did not need to lay that hammer fist out. <laughs> he didn't know. No, he definitely did not. But 30 seconds in the first round, which was, with, which was basically a straight right, you know? I mean, it was a, it was a maybe, maybe a, a cross a little bit of a cross because he was countering out, slipped a little bit, and just a straight right. And it took Abdul Razak Ahasan's lights out. Dude, I mean, dude got went night night. That's the best. <laughs> that, that is that's straight up analysis right there. The fight is not long. He drops him. <laughs> no, to the point yeah. where he goes stiff as a board to all the fight fans listening. Stiff as a board when they when they stick their arms out and you know they're knocked out. He did not need to drop that hammer fist. He did. The ref called it. He could have just walked away. The ref should have uh, hopped on him and called the fight immediately. But, A, that is a big-ass win. And what uh, weight class was that? Uh, technically, it was a catch weight. I don't remember who came in heavy. I don't remember that. But it should have been at 170. Okay, so, so that would have been a uh, Walter weight? Yes, it should have been at 170. I don't recall who came in heavy, if that was it at all. I got I to gotta rewatch the uh, – yeah, because the only actual catchweight fight was the Sean Strickland-Brendan Allen fight. That was because it was made last minute. I think one of them came in heavy, and I cannot, I cannot recall who came in heavy. But K.S. Williams living up to the name, amazing. It was, it was unbelievable. And then um, another little one just to, just to make comment, the opening card, the Corey McKenna and Kay Hansen, two uh, women strawweight, two young, young fighters, both – here, I'll give this one to you, and I won't tell you what age they are. I'll just tell you the year they were born. 1999. These two girls were fighting, both of them born in 99. So very young fighters doing the damn thing on, a, on the opening of a main card for the UFC. So congrats to them uh, for sure. Corey McKenna gets the decision win. Other than that, it was just, you know, standard fun fights for UFC. A lot of decisions this past weekend, so it was a little – I mean, not too remember, uh, not too too much to remember, except for like I said, what we just talked about with Chaos Williams. <laughs> yeah, just keep so. an eye out for these up and comers rising up the ranks. Speaking of rising up the ranks, at, in the welterweight division, we've said it a bunch of times on here already. We got the Nigerian Nightmare reigning champion Colby Covington, still the number one contender. We got Jorge Masvidal with that bad motherfucker title, and he's kind of just sitting there. But you do you know who just entered the rankings at welterweight? No, who did? At number fifteen, it's your boy. Ah, Hamza. Yeah, I see it right here. I just I just scrolled down. I was looking at I was looking at uh, the flyweight, bantamweight, and featherweights. I just scrolled down, mm -hmm. and yeah, my boy Hamza getting ready to fight Leon Edwards as the last card of the year, December nineteenth. I want I want Chimaev to go after that BMF title because if anybody kind of has a claim to that title right now, besides Game Bread, it is that dude that's been knocking dudes out left and right. 
knocking dudes out left and right, took a fight, fought one weekend, was in Abu Dhabi, said, well, I'm here, I'll fight again in a different weight class. Did that back-to-back 11 days, and then after that, put a guy away with basically no punches thrown on him? I mean, the guy's a, a, guy's a monster. Uh, as DC says, I'm on that hype train with Hamza Chamaev. If you're, if you're not, trust me, go back and watch the three fights he's had in the UFC. You will not be disappointed because it doesn't take a long time. All right? It, it just doesn't. Just go back and watch them. It's amazing. I'm, I'm actually hyped about that. I did not see that. So let's go, man. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, because there's a bunch of rumors right now, like most weight classes and divisions. But with that BMF title, it's kind of just sitting there. And we haven't seen Masvidal since he lost to Usman. No, yeah. Masvidal has been uh, kind of just doing his thing, making promotion. I, we do got to give it to him. I think they were the number one pay-per-view of 2020, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah? Uh, I would ha- I have to relook that up. I think they had the most pay-per-view buys of 2020. Uh, and clearly was mostly because of Jorge, because Kamaru also fought this year against Colby. That right? was this year? No, was that, that was this year? year, wasn't it? Was that last year? I'm pretty sure that was 19. Could be wrong, because this, this year has you know, lasted like 12 years, so we don't know anymore. Right. But, uh, the other person connected to uh, the BMF title at the moment, or at least rumored, is Kevin Holland. He's talking about moving down to fight at welterweight to get that money, I mean, that BMF title. So that those are a couple of names to keep an eye on. I yes. like that dudes in the middle of the pack are trying to make names for themselves. It really is good for the sport. There's a lot of depth in the UFC, a lot of depth in MMA right now, to the point where that's why we're talking about Bellator regularly. They, they've, they've been putting on events regularly. One Championship has been putting on events regularly. We finally got boxing back to the point where we have fights to look forward to. And even though this pandemic is still raging, we seem to have kind of found a nice little groove in combat sports that the sports are going to start uh, going along regardless now. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, to kind of to kind of double down on that, Kevin Holland, especially going down, he's got that fight booked with uh, Jack Hermanson. You know, he's fought already four times this year. Uh, four. Four, four times this year he's already fought. So he's going for number five. The dude has been just ready, been about it, fighting the whole time. And he actually has a win over Joaquin Buckley. And if you remember, um, and the fans and everyone listening remembers, Joaquin Buckley was that guy that got his uh, foot caught and then did that jumping, spinning back kick, uh, knock knock that guy pretty much unconscious, pretty much knock out of the year. Uh, I think you remember it. It was, yeah, literally got his one foot caught. He jumped, did a spinning back kick with the heel, caught him right on the chin, put the guy out, walked away. So Kevin Holland's just been just kicking ass all, all year. So keep it up, going for number five. And if it's win number five, he, he enters a record of a few guys. I think there's only, other, there's only two other guys, and I can't recall off the top of my head, but I think there's only two other guys that in the modern era of UFC have five wins in one year. So for sure. And – and like you said, kind of taking the model of the UFC and basically all these fight promotions, just putting on cards, keeping it up. I mean, the ESPN model kind of forced UFC's hand, especially with with the pandemic of 2020 and this just craziness going on. Having ESPN as your promotion, basically, it kind of uh, forced their hand in putting on cards. But 
hey, to Dana White's, uh, to Dana White and Sean Shelby, you guys have done it, man. You've put on some good cars through the year, uh, through this year, and kept me entertained at least. Shit. <laughs> hey, man, I've been as far as ESPN goes in general between UFC and Top Rank. It could be your only source of the two sports, and you'd be a happy person as a casual. But yeah, that's what I was trying to say before. Right now, it seems to like the best fan to be is a boxing fan or an MMA fan. Because these sports seem to have found out how to start working again. Obviously, boxing has its issues. We started off the pod talking about boxing's issues. But they're happening. Like, the NBA is, it hasn't even fully recovered from the pandemic yet. They're not going to start until after Christmas. The draft is happening as of this recording tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and to kind of double down with that, ESPN is putting, with top rank, talking about the boxing side, they're putting on – Fights that could have been pay-per-views five, four years ago. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. That's another thing uh, we, we didn't talk about at the beginning. Uh, well, I guess we'll touch on it now because I want to preview UFC 255 before we sign off. <laughs> on ESPN, just today, me and you were talking about it before we started recording. They, they are talking about possible boxing matches in 2021. One of yeah. them being my boy Shakur Stevenson versus Lomachenko. And I just want to clarify one thing as a boxing fan that I am. Lola should get a rematch against Teofimo Lopez before anything else. That should be the first fight for both of those men, a a solid rematch. I don't think feeding a young fighter like Shakur Stevenson to Lomachenko makes sense right now. Shakur Stevenson is a light, uh, is a featherweight. He's 126 to 130. Like, you know, that's his weight. 130 pounds, roughly. Yes, Lomachenko used to be that. Lomachenko is a lightweight now, pretty much walking around that lightweight at like that 135, probably when he's walking around, probably 140. So he's yeah. significantly bigger than Stevenson. There's fans that want Stevenson to fight uh, Gervonta Tank Davis. Again, you just want to feed this young cat to the wolves and not let him get his feet up under him and get a couple more wins. He's only 14-0. and 0. His fight, if he wins his next one, he's only 15-0. and 0. Let him get like four or five more fights before he's going up against some of the pound for pound best on the planet. Yeah, it was crazy news to hear about that. I'm I'm with you there. It was crazy news to hear about that, even that they're thinking about that deal. For for me, I, I started to weigh the options. I do agree with you. I don't want to feed Shakur to this this pretty much before Tiafimo Lopez. If this rewind the clock, if this isn't Tiafimo Lopez and he didn't win in the fashion that he did. We're still calling Lomachenko one of the pound-for-pound pound best right now, right? Oh, he's still, he's still on uh, ESPN's top 10. That's what I'm saying. So we're talking about the man. I don't like feeding him to him, but – and this is a big but, and I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. Seeing the way Tiafimo Lopez, who was just a striker, who was just a strong guy with power, young cat with power, right? Defeat Lomachenko, who's supposed to be the IQ boxing man right now, right? To see him defeat him in a boxing match, not by just out manhandling him. He actually beat him by points and by real boxing standards, right? I don't hate it. I do agree. I want Shakur to have more and get more under his belt before you feed him to someone like Lomachenko. Jesus Christ. But I don't hate it at the same time. That's you know what news just broke as we've been recording? What happened? Canelo Alvarez will return to the ring fighting 
Callum Smith on December 19th to unify the WBA super middleweight titles. You motherfuckers. Hold on. That's okay. So that's wild. One. Two. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let me run this down real quick. I'm sorry. I'm about to go on a rant. One. (laughs) That's wild. So real-time news. Holy shit. Two. That's something we missed from last week that we didn't get to talk about with boxing. Canelo Alvarez is no longer with his promotion. Not only with his promotion, he's no longer with um, – Oh, my God. Yeah, he, he left Golden Boy Golden and he Boy left and, DAZN. Thank you. Left Golden Boy and DAZN. And I remember, just to throw a little shade, we were having a conversation about DAZN maybe not doing so well, and Canelo's like, I'm out anyway, so fuck it. I don't see – I'm not saying DAZN's not doing well, but I am saying fuck Golden Boy. Right <laughs> no offense. No offense. Anyone that likes Golden Boy, I don't give a damn. Fuck Golden Boy because he tried – and I'll give you one reason. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of going on a ramp because this live time news fucked me up. But <laughs> the reason I'll give you the reason I don't like Golden Boy because they put that disrespectful ass Chuck Liddell Tito Ortiz fight on. That's why I hate Golden Boy. Okay, before you, no, I want you to get into that. I just want to clarify <laughs> one thing for you because you like sports nerdy and you know conspiracy theories. I don't think this is going to hurt his own because the deal how it was structured. They're not going to pay him some like – he was getting paid like $35 million a fight. Right. If yep. they don't owe another six fights at $35 million, that's a lot of money they just saved. They just yeah, – exactly. So uh, I don't yep. think it's as bad for DAZN as it is for Golden Boy because there's nothing being floated that Canelo can't go back to the zone. Correct. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say to kind of bounce off that. Fuck them for Liddell Ortiz 3 <laughs> because – De La Hoya tried taking a bunch of shots at UFC for not taking care of their fighters, and he barely knew their names. Barely knew their names and barely paid them. Like, let's be honest. Didn't make that much money because he's like, oh, it's going to do great pay-per-view points. You're not talking to the right fans. You, you think MMA fans want to see Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz fight again when they're old as shit? And we know Chuck Liddell was doing TV shows and shit like that, and he has not been working out. We don't want to see that. I'm sorry. But you know, I, I I can't even. We can we can go into Golden Boys MMA shop and just rip them apart for that. But I'm I'm kind of with you on the fact with DAZN. I do see a path for DAZN to still have Canelo just without Golden Boy. Yeah, I think that's, that's the, what they that should just happen too. The guys, right. we're not joking. Me and him are really just sitting here like holy shit. In a month from this recording, we got a Canelo fight all of a sudden. All of a sudden, great. I mean, I'm a little pissed because it's December 19th. That's the night my boy Hamzat's fighting. Oh, we're going to figure it out, bro. Don't worry. We're, <laughs> we're going to figure it out. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm a little upset, but you know what? I'm not too worried because I'm assuming they're going to end that card a little earlier than normal. And then we're going to, you know, boxing midnight East Coast time. So not too worried about it, right? <laughs> but damn, dude. I, this, I like how we just kept switching back and forth between boxing and MMA on this pod. Before we wrap it up, because me and you can legit keep talking until we fall asleep, UFC 255 is this Saturday. Yes. There's the main event for the, what is it, bantamweight? Uh, for flyweight. Oh, it's flyweight. Little, little guys, yeah. Yeah, dude, I was going to say that too. I'm, <laughs> I'm just fucking up. Dude, between boxing and, and UFC or MMA in general, when it comes to weight classes, I will – be the guy that defends my knowledge of the in-ring sport of both of them. 
I do not even pretend like I remember all these weight classes between these two sports. Oh, no. Because they don't – not to cut you off, but they don't even make sense between the two sports. A flyweight in – UFC is not a flyweight or whatever. I don't even think they have flyweight in boxing. It makes no sense. No, they do. I think flyweight is something ridiculous. It, it, like if I said the weight right now, you'd just be depressed. Right. Um, because how can a human <laughs> being that fights so well be that tiny? So but who do you got? You say the names. I'm not butchering the names too. After I Davis and Figueroa. <laughs> so we got the, the recent new champion that defeated Joseph Benavidez in Davis and Figueroa. Um, remember that was the relinquished belt of Triple C, Henry Cejudo. Uh, right now, for I'm with Davis and Figueroa. I mean, I think if we're going to say the other dude's name, it's Alex. Perez. Sorry, Alex Perez. I'm sorry, Alex. I'm sorry, Alex Perez, because that's how much. Listen, that's how much I'm telling you. I don't think it's going to matter. But okay, so what's your prediction? Oh, Davis and Figueroa in three submission. Okay. Maybe maybe ground and pound. Maybe ground and pound. Same thing though. It's going to be done on the ground, finished right there. The funny thing about this is the co-main, my favorite, other than Amanda New, I have too many favorites, but Valentina Shevchenko fighting Jennifer Maya. And the funny thing about it is we're watching two flyweights. So we're watching men's flyweight and women's flyweight. So yes, both champions fighting this upcoming weekend are the same weight. So oh, that's, that's fun. That's yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it's fun. And uh, again, my bias, Valentina Shevchenko. Actually, if you look at the um, the betting odds, I'm pretty sure Valentina is a ruthless favorite, over a 1,000. So, Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's bad. It's bad. Um, but we also have our, the crazy man, Mike Perry, and his girl that's going to be cornering him. I think she's like six months pregnant, so that's going to be fun. Um, you know, so just a lot of, lot of fun fights, um, coming in this weekend, Valentina Shevchenko's sisters fighting. Um, oh, and just, and just for the record, I wasn't exaggerating or being hyperbolic in UFC flyweights, 125 in boxing. It's about 108 to 112. Oh Jesus. Oh no, no, no. That's yeah. Uh, that's yeah. I wasn't, okay. there wasn't like a, Oh my God, what are they like? 50? <laughs> no, legitimately guys, no. There's not that much. I, I've lost. For at, like at the age of like twenty twenty one, I lost like one hundred and thirty pounds. I lost more than the flyweight champion in boxing. Yeah, so, and that and that goes exactly to my point. How is a flyweight in UFC one twenty five, and a flyweight in boxing's one hundred eight to one twelve? And they got the same commission in Nevada. But anyway, yeah, exactly. Anyway, well, fun yeah, fights Mar- Mar- coming. Hua is on the undercard too. Yeah, Shogun. Yeah, Mar- uh, Shogun Hua is on the uh, main card. He opens up the main card. Um, Caitlin Chukagian as well. This is actually not a bad fight card. I mean, you got some big names on this fight card coming out. Like I said, Figueroa and Alex Perez, Shevchenko versus Jennifer Maya, Mike Perry fighting Tim Means, Ch- Caitlin Chukagian, Cynthia Calvillo, Mauricio Hu- uh, Shogun Hua versus Paul Craig. I mean, it's it's a decent amount of fights. Joaquin Buckley's fighting. We just mentioned him. Brandon Moreto, Brandon Roy Val, Ariane Lipsky. She's one There's of also my favorites. PBC Boxing on the same night, November twenty first. Yes. PBC uh, Boxing. I think it's Fox Sports or Fox Sports One. It's going to be on. So, yeah, like there, there's a good there's another good weekend for all the fans to see the workhorses of the sport try to rise up the ranks across both sports. 
Yeah. Yep. I, I agree with you. It should be a fun weekend coming up. And as always, we have Bellator 253. Not a huge one. That's Thursday. So two days from now. It's another fun one if you want to just get as much fighting in as you can, man. Got got stuff to watch. We got stuff to watch. Oh, yeah. Uh, and also today, Holloway, uh, Max Holloway. He's oh, shit. fighting in January. Oh, my God. Yeah, I completely forgot. Max Holloway has signed about, and to every hardcore's uh, dismay, I guess, it is not against Alexander Volkanovsky. But that's okay. That's fine. All right? Hey, it's fine. It's not a big deal. Hashtag not my champion. Right. You're right. Hashtag not my champion. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) um, So, but hey. It's a good way to get Alexander uh, to get Max Holloway back at Alexander. If he can win this fight decisively, throw him right back in there. Let's go for round three, one hundred percent. And then uh, just to fi- finally finish it off for me, uh, we have PFL. I sent this to you earlier. PFL just signed Verdum. So if you guys are PFL fans, that's another thing on ESPN that you can watch. It's the Professional Fighters League. Uh, formerly known as the World Series of Fighting, if anyone remembers that name. Um, but yeah, PFL signed uh, Fabrizio Verdum, so that's going to be fun too. We should do our pound for pound outside UFC next week because there's so much non UFC, me and you actually have been talking that if we could put it in context and actually keep our dope pound for pound outside the UFC, it'd be a good contrast to show people. Like, you know, what kind of talent is actually outside the main league? Like, off the top of my head, I probably would put uh, Demetrius Johnson at number one, if not, obviously, top five. But that's, you know, that we can talk about that next week. Oh, yeah, we can definitely do that. And we'll keep, like, a, a dope MMA pound-for-pound uh, pound list outside of the UFC. We definitely can do that. And, I mean, we can even – we can have an outside and including the UFC because – also don't forget we have one which we will get into at some point but there's just so much mma to go around that getting into one championship is is it's hard (laughs) yeah it's hard because of where it's located in the southeast and it's in the southeast like asia not southeast like georgia you assholes um (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly i mean the card not to cut you off but yeah the card was on at on friday when i woke up the card was over on Friday, so yeah, it, it like great apps, but definitely download the apps. But tell them where they can find you. Uh, you can find me everywhere, all the socials at T Owens one one zero five. That's my name with eleven oh five. Twitter, Instagram, all that. Nice, and I'm at not the Chuck D Instagram and Twitter, all one word. We're at the Dope Blog www.thedope.blog, where I got my Shakur Stevenson piece up. Our girl Sam on discussing the excellence of Naoya Inoue, that Japanese monster. Thank you for the support. Keep checking for us. Peace. See ya. <laughs>